0: Welcome to Write Good, the podcast that helps you write good. I'm Aris Benedict. In this episode, we're talking about writing in a body, writing that fully explores the physicality of its characters. Joining us is sci-fi fantasy writer S.L. Huang. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: The reason I asked you on is because I noticed that your writing is really physical.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, characters really inhabit their bodies, like they feel emotions in their bodies and not just in their heads. And when you're writing these sort of action sequences, you're very aware of characters' physical bodies in a physical space. Does part of that come from your rather unique background as in action hero slash stuntwoman?
1: Uh, I would say, I would say definitely yes. I'm, uh, you know, I'm coming out of a background where uh, you, we were doing this all the time. You know, every every day was, if not working, training and pushing the limits of what the human body can do. And not only that, but coming up with creative ways of uh, choreographing and of storytelling with our bodies. Right. But I, I think one thing you mentioned that I, I think is one of my the most important things I took away though. From that, from working in movies, is that it's, uh, so movies is all about storytelling, just like right. writing is, right? We, we're not trying to win a fight, we're trying to tell a story. Right. And uh, the one thing that we're taught and that we strive for in that field is we don't, Really care as much about the the blow by blows of the fight, although cool fights are of course you know very cool. Right. But what really matters the most is the emotion of it, which is exactly what you are saying the the moments uh, that the character is in trouble and the, you know am, am I allowed to to swear on the podcast? Absolutely. Or are we clean? All right. So those sort of oh shit moments is what we call them, <laughs> <laughs> where the character is suddenly like in in serious trouble and they they have that like sudden realization that things are not going to go well for them or that. moment moment where they rally and they come back um, right. or, or even there's the stakes with the other person in the fight so all of these are actually more important I would say than the physicality but it's part of that you know it's part of that whole yeah. consciousness and the mindset um, and it's it's emphasized so much when we choreograph for film and television because that's that's honestly what makes a fight interesting you know like what yeah. these characters are feeling
0: yeah just how they're acting out emotions and you have to do it all physically. I mean, if a character in the middle of an action sequence w- said like, oh no, I'm in trouble now. Or, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not in trouble anymore. I am starting to win. Like that would just be the worst.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so fast, right? Like those split yeah. second moments. So I, I would say that that's really what's helped me the most uh, in, in becoming you know a, a, a writer now is, um, is having that, those emotional stakes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. That's really cool that you have that thing to, like, draw on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Not many – I don't think many writers have that. <laughs> We're a lot of indoor kids.
1: <laughs> it is very unusual, yeah.
0: I The reason I wanted to talk about this is that a lot of the time when I'm reading fiction, I kind of get this feeling like the character is written as a brain in a jar. <laughs> like, they're this disembodied consciousness that thinks a lot but doesn't, like – Feel anything physically? Mm-hmm. So, what? Why do you think that's so common in writing? Because I get that feeling so much.
1: You know, I think it's I, I think it's just very common, not just in, in fight scenes, but like across writing in general. Mm. That that sort of like not being totally engaged with the environment because I think I think sometimes when we imagine something, it's really actually a hard thing in writing to tr- try to trigger all of those emotional senses in, in the thing we're yeah. imagining. And I think that's especially true if we haven't experienced something. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, and yeah. And and I mean, there's the the old saw, write what you know. Right. Which, uh, you know, right. a lot of us try to write, you know, at least adjacent to our own experiences or to experience things that we're going to write about. But you can't do that 100 percent of the time. Right. Especially us science no. fiction and fantasy writers. No.
0: I have not been in a laser gun fight. Exactly,
1: exactly. (laughs) So and I think this is just, it's a really hard thing to like do that imaginative extrapolating with something that you haven't experienced and then, you know, the broader physical experiences we have, the more we can sort of like fill in and with with guesses for that stuff. But it's it's hard, you know, it's writing's hard.
0: (laughs) Oh, totally. It's it's. I mean, it's hard enough putting yourself in the mind of another person, mm-hmm. but putting yourself in the body of another person, especially if they're not a lot like you. It's like, wow.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that brings up another good point, which is that everybody responds differently right to, to right. and everybody's slightly aware of different things especially experience levels like you know one thing I've done a lot of is firearms and a lot of writers it's recommended to them that like oh if you're going to write about a character shooting a gun you should go and shoot a gun but one thing that right. people don't mention is the experience of doing something like that as a beginner is actually very mm-hmm. different from the experience of doing it when you're you know when it's like second nature to you so right Even if you have experienced it, those striations will sometimes, you know, give you a completely different experience than your character might be having. And it's it's quite difficult, I think.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Or just being like an out of shape versus an in shape person. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Like you go through the world... Very, very differently. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: characters who have a certain disability. Like I've, you know, I've had periods yeah. of disability in my life when I was so much more aware of my body and its limitations, and right. uh, that's a very different experience from when I'm healthy. And I'm, and just the absence of having to think about that all the time is is quite profound.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just do it versus okay. like, oh my God, everything hurts. I'm so tired. My exactly. back hurts. My knees. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I just want to lie down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: I'm also wondering, too, if, if part of that comes from the fact that we have so much like screen time, like so much of our life experience or our perception is filtered through movies, TV, mm-hmm. video games, and not so much through like actually going outside <laughs> and horseback riding or sword fighting or whatever.
1: You know, I, I don't know. That's a good question. And, I you know, I don't know the answer to that. I. I tend to lean towards thinking that it's um, it, it, it doesn't, it maybe doesn't have as much to do with that just because I, I feel so strongly for like what fiction can do for us. Not to, it, books, of course, mm. um, but also really well-written movies and television that make us feel something. And yeah. of course, sometimes it might not be realistic, right? Like movies and television teach us the wrong thing all the time. But, you know, fiction is also a way of experiencing the world. So, I mean, certainly I think going out and experiencing it, you're going to get the the broader depth of experience. Mm. But, you know, I I don't know that I would fault media for that. But who knows? I could be wrong. I don't
0: know. The the reason I bring this Mm -hmm. up is just because something that I've noticed in a lot of descriptions in, in a lot of contemporary fiction is that writers focus so much on sight and sound and often like totally ignore the more sort of intimate senses touch taste Uh and smell and like sight and sound is what you get from movies and video games and those three things are you can't get those Mm -hmm. from a movie you just can't get it from visual media
1: that's true that's true yeah
0: and it's a problem in action sequences but it's also I've, i've found to be a problem in like love scenes
1: there's so much in common between action scenes and love scenes, yeah. isn't there? Yeah,
0: it really is. It's so physical. Yeah. And a lot of the times I just feel like I'm reading someone's description mm-hmm. of an action scene or a sex scene that they watched and not something the characters experienced. Yeah. Like you're engaging with this person physically fully and there's nothing on what's he smelling
1: like? you know I would I w- yeah and I would say the same thing about the intimate scenes is you know yeah. it's uh it's not so much like tab a into slot b it's like the emotions right. of it right that are important and and I think you're right that those those uh like you I think you called them the more intimate senses is that the word used? use yeah. um it's, yeah. it can really add to those scenes and I think I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right that this has to do with us, you know, the way we can sort of consume the world through screens. Um, but I also think it might have to do with that idea we were talking about of um, extrapolation mm. and guessing, trying to guess what an experience mm. is like. Because I know when I'm uh, when I'm trying to sort of imagine. I'm reaching for those easier senses first maybe right. and I for, for so for example um, I, uh, I ride motorcycles and once I I took my bike to Vegas when I really shouldn't have it was the middle of winter and I was driving or I was riding oh, from wow. Los Angeles to Las Vegas <laughs> yeah and uh, I checked the weather it was December and I checked that I was going for Christmas I checked the weather in Los Angeles it was like you know, really nice out in Los Angeles, of course. Check the weather in Vegas. Right. Totally fine. I neglected to remember that in between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, <laughs> there are mountains. <laughs> That's, the whole journey right. is over it gets mountains. gets really
0: cold up in Northern California and, and places too. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Rainy?
1: Yes. It was the one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. The mountains were fr- frigid. I was absolutely freezing. Oh, yeah. I was stopping every half hour. And when I was you know, too far into the journey to turn around, really, for it to make sense, we started getting high winds and like really bad high wind with a type where they're flashing it on the highway signs, like high winds ahead, next, next, oh, month. yeah. <laughs> like these, were, we're talking like 30 to 50 mile per hour winds. Whoa. And I was at, my, <laughs> my motorcycle was not a large motorcycle. I'm not a large human. No. And it was blowing me. It was really, really scary. And oh the, the moment where that first started happening, where I could feel myself losing control of the bike in this really, in this terrifying way, I tasted in my mouth, like my whole mouth went bitter, huh. which is not a thing that I would have like imagined if I were just like trying to like uh, picture this in my head without it happening. Right. Um, but it was the, the mm-hmm. most, it, it, to now looking back, that is the strongest sense memory of that moment of my whole mouth going bitter and like my whole like face and head sort of like melting into that taste. <laughs> and um, wow. I ended up pulling into a gas station and Googling on my phone how to ride a motorcycle in high winds so I could, you know, yeah. not die. <laughs> and I managed, yeah. I was okay. but then I hit, you know, rain and snow and sleet. It was really the worst decision I possibly could have made making oh that, that trip. But anyway, the point is that that really specific sense memory I don't think I ever would have thought of that, you know. No. Um, but now that that's happened to me in this like terrifying situation, I feel like I've I've taken that that tiny piece and I've put it in in my writing in places that aren't like on a motorcycle, you know, because I I, I know that that's a thing that can happen. Um, so I think just the the broader experience we have as writers, the more we like, push the boundaries of our comfort zone, hopefully not, you know, on a motorcycle in 50 mile per hour winds, no death here, we don't want death. But like the, the, the more we can push our comfort zone, so that we feel these things in all these different, you know, areas and it and then even if we're not writing what we know, we have this like, uh, larger, much larger palette of sense, sensory memory to choose right. from, maybe, um, or at least right. that that's what works for me for sure.
0: I've, this is something I've been wondering about do you think some of this might come from the way that if you're kind of middle class and white collar, your body's a little like irrelevant to your job, so you're discouraged from really inhabiting it that much? Like you're a, you're a stunt woman, so your body is, that's so such a big focus on your life. Mine, I, I sit behind a desk for a job. <laughs> I avoid thinking about my body as much as possible and, you know, go to the gym and mm-hmm that's it. But it's kind of irrelevant to much of my daily life, which is kind of like a a weird way of thinking it. But I I think that maybe a lot of the way that work is and the way that we make our livings and the way that we spend much of our day might kind of discourage us from feeling like we're really in our bodies.
1: You know, that's a that's a really interesting question. And I've never, uh, I've never really contemplated that before. I, my first instinct is to say that I I don't know that profession or like, you know, those sorts of distinctions might have as much to do with it as just sort of overall, like the, the broadness of the physicality that you're used to. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, I've taught a lot of people uh, sword fighting. I've taught a lot of people firearms. I've taught a lot of people like different martial arts moves and uh, stunt moves and stuff. And when I'm teaching people who are uh, new at something, who are, you know, complete beginners, but, you know, they might come from another sport or they might, uh, they might be like weightlifters or they might be like, you know, strong from mm. their profession or something. Uh, what I found is that the, uh, the consciousness of pe- that people have of their physicality has a lot more to do with um, their experience and activities that have like, a lot of um spatial and variety of body awareness um so for example Mm. um dance like teaching sword fighters teaching dancers to sword fight I will take a dancer any day <laughs> over like anybody cool. else. Yeah, because dance just gives people that physical awareness. Yeah. But like also, you know, martial arts to a degree, not quite as much as dance. Um, people who have been in the military um, and are very mm-hmm. used to being aware of like their body in their surroundings. Um, and you know, some of this correlates to, you know, things like uh, different profession distinctions or class distinctions. But um, I think mainly it's sort of orthogonal to it. and. The it just sort of depends on the the experience that somebody has in life. Like I, I don't I, I don't find like if, if somebody is if their profession is um, very physical but very repetitive, you know, they probably mm-hmm. won't uh, be gaining that sort of body consciousness we're talking about. right. Just like somebody sitting at a computer doesn't. Um, but they'll know they'll know their own you know the physicality that relates to their job, just like a person at a computer. Right. Will know like what it feels like to sort of their their shoulders to get tense and to be like hunched over the screen and stuff. Um, So I, I, my first instinct is just that it would be like uh, the the more broadness uh, you have experienced Mm -hmm. is is going to be helpful. But I'm not sure whether that would correlate with like you know different uh, sectors of society or not.
0: Oh, it's just something I kind of think about, and and this is I've also thought of this along or at least wondered about it along, like, race or gender or class lines. Like, um, throughout history, uh, there's been this long-running, really kind of gross belief that certain types of people are more spiritual or intellectual, and other types of people, particularly women, working-class people, or, like, marginalized ethnic groups, are physical or almost animalistic beings. And I've seen this reflected in a lot of writing by kind of like upper middle class Anglo <laughs> white men. Like I've noticed this so much in a lot of that writing that there are very there's very little in terms of physical descriptions or physical awareness of our protagonist who's usually kind of like a waspy guy. Mm-hmm. But every female character <laughs> is like ultra-sexualized. Yeah. And there are also, I've noticed, really detailed kind of objectifying descriptions of especially like black male characters mm-hmm. and their muscles. Yeah. Like... Like in Moby Dick, I have no idea what Ishmael looks like, but like anytime he's talking about Queequeg, it's like... It's incredible details of, you know, Queequeg and his and his tattoos on his dark mu- skin and his giant muscles. Uh, and, oh, Queequeg's biceps rippling when he yeah. raises his eel spear or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. And I find this d- – is this something you kind of notice? I wonder, like, am I reading too much into this? Oh, I don't this?
1: think you're reading too much into it. I mean, I think this is a known <laughs> problem. <laughs> but, I mean, me, I personally, um, when I was much younger – I, I I think I maybe did not have the awareness to notice it. And, you know, as, of course, as I've gotten to know more about the world, you know, then you cannot right. unsee it. <laughs> but uh, I think now uh, I am I'm quite fortunate in that um, I don't see a lot of it. But I think that's because of selection bias, <laughs> like right. the books I'm choosing to read and the authors I'm choosing to read are... Uh, very aware of not doing these things um, so I, right. I, I tend to I, I, I would say I, I tend to not see it in really you know any of the books that I've read recently in you mm. know the past 10 years or so just because the authors I'm reading are, are right. I have such faith in them and such trust in them that they're not doing this right. and then you know and then that trust is usually justified but movies and television I will say, you yeah. know, Hollywood is always behind, you know, every other sector of society in this. And let's talk for a minute about like the you you talked about women being hypersexualized and stuff. Right. I've heard this called online. Um, I'm not coining this term, but the the woman in movies who's a spinny killbot, where
0: <laughs> a spinny yeah, kill
1: bot. <laughs> where she's. I've also heard it called like waifu, where you know it's this oh, like yeah, small, yeah. thin uh, Hollywood. Attractive woman, right. because most Hollywood actresses they sort of cast in the same mold, and right. and doing like all these extremely spinny, acrobatic, balletic, martial arts moves that basically like mow down a whole lot of you know dudes. And I, right. I think sort of a, a very classic example of this, which I, I I don't want to criticize it too strongly because I think it fits the character, but Black Widow in the Avengers, um, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Her style is very much this where she's constantly like scissoring her legs around guys' necks and spinning around, you know. <laughs> and and I think that's especially true in like Iron Man 2. They got better at it. But it, it's so common with women to see that sort of uh, very stylized spinny kill bot <laughs> type of fighting. Right. And... Um, you you also see this with um, you know I'm I'm Asian and you see it a lot with Asian characters where it's the the Asian mm. characters are always the sanitized martial artist you know they don't right. get to be the in the barroom brawl and same with women and I would say uh, in my writing um, it was such a conscious choice um, in my in my cast wrestle series the main character she's she's a brawler she's much more of a like punch people in the face she's not like doing a a backflip into, you know, a roundhouse kick kind of thing. And, you know, I notice it when they do this with women. Um, I think Agent Carter did this really well, speaking of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the television show Agent Carter, she was choreographed much more as a brawler, where she was, like, wailing with punches that you would see in a bar fight rather than these really acrobatic moves. And I think I, I definitely see a gender divide there. I definitely see a race divide. And right. I think I think honestly, the only reason I don't see it in what I read is uh, is just because I, there's there are enough books and there are enough people who are doing different right. things that I can choose not to see it. You know?
0: Yeah, it, it's tricky. Uh, one of our previous guests was a woman who ran a Twitter account that just collected like. That kind of ridiculous, over the top, horny writing about oh, women—it's yeah. like called like men writing oh, women. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that Twitter account. <laughs> since I've had her on. Like, I can't stop seeing that. Mm-hmm. Every single time, I just notice it's like, okay, I'm reading Murakami, and everything he writes about is just titties, titties, oh, titties. Yeah. It's just like there's—he's so horny for titties.
1: I have to admit, I, I can't read him.
0: I vaguely know what tango looks like, but I know the chest size of every female character. Yeah. In one Q 84 QD eighty four I don't know how you to pronounce it but I'm like okay okay calm down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. buddy <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tried I tried so hard to read him because like cause it was so highly recommended yeah and uh, I couldn't because of the, the the descriptions of women exactly why
0: yeah and every single one it's just her mm-hmm. boobs she looked at her boobs he looked at her boobs her chest her shirt showed off her boobs and I have no idea what like any of the male characters are it's yeah. Just, He's large, but that's it. There's not that specificity, and his pants were showed off the the roundness of his butt cheeks <laughs> and the bulge of his cock. Yeah. You know, none of that yeah. is just like I'm just trying to imagine the male equivalent of it, and it's just I think outside of like gay erotica, you're just not gonna find that, and it's so striking mm-hmm. to me.
1: And and we normalize it, right? We normalize that right, male right. gay so that it's it seems like the default when it really like why right. why should it be?
0: And I can't stop noticing it, and and I guess I I feel like well if this this is a male character who's horny then like okay mm-hmm. fine but it's like a female character is doing that too and it's like no yeah and
1: and unless unless she's a lesbian yeah unless she's a lesbian and also very horny like that just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh come on yeah I agree it's it's so strange to sort of see that as being like sort of acceptably within the realm of like published writing and, you know, recog- writing that's recognized as good writing in the world when it's it's so far off base.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting how I feel like a lot of it's like taking your own physicality and sort of offloading it or projecting it onto someone yeah. else. Yeah. Like he's aware of what she looks like, but there's no sense of, okay, what's this doing to mm. him? How's he feeling this?
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
0: Like, he, he felt his heart mm-hmm. beat faster. He felt himself grow warmer and, mm-hmm. the you know, nothing like that. It's all...
1: You, you know, I wonder if this has to do with... They They always talk about, like, the patriarchy isn't just bad for women, right? It's also bad for men. Right. And men are, uh, you know, young boys are very often uh, socialized against, or at least anybody who's, who's raised as a boy in society is generally socialized against... Um, showing emotion showing feelings so i wonder if that plays into it as well
0: and this body awareness Mm -hmm. like i i think women are really encouraged to like mind your body very carefully control Mm -hmm. it and men it's just like i'm supposed to wash my butthole like (laughs) yes (laughs) what the fuck like do you not know this right now we
1: have like these anecdotal twitter threads of people who are talking to the men in their lives who didn't realize you're supposed to wash your hands ever you know, and they're like, wait a minute, yeah. is our takeaway that men were just never washing their hands? Which, of course, is like terribly gender essentialist, right? Like, but it's, the socialization does happen.
0: Yeah, like the number of dudes who don't wash their hands after they take a pee. Like, yeah. I don't know many women who think like, what, am I not supposed to do that? Like, of course you're supposed to do that. A lot of men are like, what? I don't, it's like, yeah, you, you come on,
1: man. And I, I think even even with people who are not on the gender binary, it's, Like we get socialized according to like the way society views us in such profound ways and it's really it's so unfortunate and it it just it it affects the way we consume media and the way we create media
0: and the way we live with ourselves too like a lot of my friends who are in like long-term straight relationships have realized they you know the women a lot of times find themselves having to help the men with basic physical self-care like Hun, you're hurt. You need to see this doctor. Hun, you're you're having some. Pro- Your muscles are really tense. I'm going to schedule you for a massage because, like, men are kind of, I think, trained not to think about that or to see like that kind of self body self awareness as being like feminine or, or girly Weakness. or vain, as opposed yeah. to like, no, this helps you. This keeps you alive. This is good.
1: Yeah. And I, I think uh, you know while we're talking about gender and physicality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a queer person and I have a lot of friends who are trans or non-binary somewhere, mm. uh, some, some stripe of non-binary gender. And, um,
0: right. The,
1: the awareness that comes with like navigating that. Oh
0: yeah. Is, physical. Yeah,
1: is another thing. And, and, you know, disability also plays with into this too, as we've talked about, like the, yeah. there are, there are certain axes of identity that really end up, uh, giving people an awareness that other people who don't have that, uh, you know, who aren't navigating that identity, maybe don't have. Right. And I, I think that that's also, you know, something that writers can keep in mind. And uh, nobody's a monolith. So it's not like everybody right. in any demographic is going to feel or think the same way. Right, you know? right. But it's, it's definitely something that I, I feel like I notice more in my, in my queer communities, Um, that, you know, we have these mm. conversations. And in my uh, communities where we talk about health and disability, that there are there are conversations that happen there that just don't happen outside of that space. You know that have to do with our bodies and our awareness of our bodies.
0: Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Man, I'm just imagining like transitioning would bring so much awareness to everything in your body. I would I would think. So let's talk a little bit about like how to get away from this. How how. What are some tools or, or methods or whatever that writers might use to cultivate a greater sense of physical awareness? Like maybe certain sports or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, I think really any any type of physicality is going to help people. Um, I would say honestly, variety. Mm-hmm. So just like what we were talking about before. Obviously, if you love a sport, you know, keep doing that sport because you love it. Yeah. But I think the more we experience of like different types of physicality can really help. For example, I've pulled from experiences of you know sword fighting, horseback riding, martial arts, boxing, pistols, riflery, skydiving, like all of those things have have like contributed more to that like palette of sense memory that we were talking about for me. Hmm. Um, and you know, not all writers yeah. write the same way, but it's certain that's certainly been been helpful to me. And I think, any sport is going to give some narrow band of experience. And then the more broadly you're able to sort of expand that. And then some sports like dance or or like martial arts, I think give a greater variety of physicality or um, aerial circus has also been very good for me for that.
0: What? Yeah. But
1: like all, all of those, you know, pretty much anything you would do, but I think you also need like the emotion that we were talking about. So, so like if you're just, for example, Practicing something in your living room, you know, maybe that doesn't push those emotional boundaries. Like, for example, if you're practicing martial arts, doing sparring is something that, like, has much more heightened emotion than like doing a form. And I I feel like capturing those moments—that's what's so important on the page. Or, for example, you know, swimming. If you're swimming laps in a pool. It's pretty uh, low stress, uh, I think. And I'm not a swimmer. I mean, I can swim, but I I wouldn't call myself a swimmer. But I I've had an experience of being in the ocean, and you know, having a moment of panic where I couldn't get back to shore. And that for me, that I've used that in writing for sure. You know, that that moment of emotion where I was like, I can swim. I'm doing, you know, but this physicality is totally different. <laughs> Again, yeah. not advocating like putting your life at risk, but the more right. like experiences we have. Um, for example, last time I sparred my teacher in my Taekwondo class, she there was this one moment where I like tried, to, I thought I saw an opening and I tried to rush her, and she spun and she kicked me so hard. I was wearing a chest protector, but I was for basically like a full minute or like three minutes, I was just trying to breathe. Like it was so bad. <laughs> like it it felt like every atom of air inside my chest was just uh, it snuffed out so you know experiencing moments like not like that and not even necessarily bad experiences like the doing aerial circus and having that like feeling of excitement and adrenaline when you're doing a a move in the air Mm. I think all of these all of these can sort of add up to like give us more to draw on in writing
0: yeah I, it, it, this isn't as uh, fast paced or exciting as a sport but I've found I've actually gotten a lot of like weird emotional I don't know what out of yoga.
1: oh sure
0: like it does that to yeah. some people and it absolutely does it to me It just like unleashes
1: uh-huh. all the uh-huh. feels
0: every once in a while and it's kind of weird it's like you don't understand where is this coming from (laughs) why is this happening why am I crying right now and it's like yoga
1: holy shit I've experienced that too like a good yoga instructor can draw that out of like somehow somehow those (laughs) he's stretching the tension out of those joints and suddenly it all bursts out it's really kind of a fascinating experience
0: oh yeah and you just become like hyper aware Mm -hmm. of like oh, my feet don't point in the same direction. Yeah, That's yeah. weird. Or like, I how come I can bend that way and everybody else can't, but I can't mm-hmm. bend this other way that everybody mm-hmm. else can? What's going on? Why is my body like this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's
0: like kind of overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely I'd say about cross-training, because it's so easy if you're like, if you're just a person who like goes to the gym a few mm-hmm. times a week just to, you know, keep your heart mm-hmm. functioning, you kind of fall into this routine mm-hmm. and you're in this narrow routine yeah. and you just get used yeah. to it and it's very unconscious yeah. you put on a podcast mm-hmm. and you hit the treadmill mm-hmm. and then time passes and then you're done
1: which, which is great and that's very healthy but like in terms of being able to like draw on that for writing it's, it's going to be a pretty narrow set of experiences just by its nature yeah,
0: yeah definitely so that's a good idea now beyond beyond writing do you think this kind of disembodied sense of consciousness can hurt us in other ways
1: you know i i I would hesitate to say yes to that just because I've I've known people who were some of the the clumsiest, most unathletic people um <laughs> who could just not pick up like any any new physical skill was just like completely beyond them. And some of those people were also some of the like smartest and kindest and most competent people I've known. And so I, I don't know. I don't I don't think I would say a disconnection from our physical awareness is like you know, a character flaw in some way, or or would prevent anybody from living life to the the fullest and, you know, the most amazing extent. Um, I mean, it might be frustrating if you're, like, going bowling with your friends or something, but, like, other than that. And, you know, as much as we've talked about experiencing things and how, you know, great that is, like, there are, everybody can reach for something at the edge of their physical comfort or physical boundaries to experience or experience things through fiction as well or through talking to people and listening and mm-hmm. like reading nonfiction and stuff and um so yeah i don't I, I i would i i feel like i would say that the the human experience is so rich and has so many ways it can become richer no matter whether, you know, that's uh, something that comes naturally to a, a person or not. And I'd say the only place that, you know, where it's really important or, you know, would be hurtful if we don't train up our awareness of our, our place in space is, uh, you know, is something like driving <laughs> where it could endanger other people if we're not like having an awareness of where we are in, in time and space. Right. Um, you know, but other than that, I think it's uh it's generally part of the the tapestry of humanity. Some people are a little more plugged into it. Some people aren't. And, you know, I think that's fine.
0: Do you have any any writers or stories you'd really recommend who handle, like, physical writing really well? Like Stephen Mazer, I, I think I asked him something similar mm-hmm. to that. He's the assistant editor at FSF.
1: Oh, yeah. I know Stephen.
0: He He recommended writing from before the era of movies and TV. He felt like action scenes just have a different feel to them and they're less visually centered. But are there writers particularly like contemporary Mm -hmm. ones who you think handle like this physicality whether it's through like action whether it's through i don't know whether it's through like love scenes or something just like incredibly Mm -hmm. well
1: you know i i am curious now about uh what steven said because uh i have never tried to look at that and i'm i'm curious to like look back and kind of survey (laughs) books Mm -hmm. from before movies and television and see what i think of uh their, their action scenes. But anyway, um, let's see. I, uh, the first uh, author who comes to mind is Yoon Ha Lee, who is an amazing author mm. and uh, he's a fencer. Ooh. And uh, he has uh, fencing scenes. His fencing scenes in uh, his Machineries of Empire series are like absolutely phenomenally good. But other than that, he has a lot of like physicality of his characters. Without giving too much away, there's a sort of like a big part of the series is like one character embodying another sort of, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but um, characters hmm. who are sharing a body basically. And um, oh, wow. a, a lot of, there's a lot of description that's very visceral. I feel with that in ways that are very gripping to read. I would also say Charlie Jane Anders is one of my favorite authors and uh, her, not just physicality, but her, Her descriptions of, and I can't remember off the top of my head, like a phrase that she might have used that really impressed me, but the thing we were talking about before of the sort of more intimate senses and not just describing what things Mm. look like or sound like, I feel like she does this thing with metaphor (laughs) that I've really noticed reading her writing where it makes you feel... The, what the character's feeling in this really unexpected way, and really holistic and unexpected. And that describe, feels like it describes it perfectly, even if you would never think to describe it with that kind of metaphor. Um, she's just a brilliantly talented writer in, in all ways. I think also in the short story realm, um, there's quite a lot of, uh, I, I feel like I've read so many short stories that do physicality well, but it's it's kind of hard for me to think off the top of my head. I know uh, Jy Neon Yang did a um, a body, a, a sort of a body swap story. Uh, if memory serves, it was like um, buying a body from a different person or something like that. That I remember mm. having just a like really incredible like again that sort of visceral awareness of bodies and stuff. Um, And I I feel like I've read a lot of quite a lot of short fiction that does this uh, very well as well. And uh, yeah, those authors for sure. And I'm sure there are so many more.
0: Right. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, Now, before we go, where can we find your work? Uh, how, How can our listeners support your work?
1: My main series is the Cast Russell series. Uh, it begins with the sci-fi thriller uh, Zero Sum Game, which is about uh, an anti-heroine who can do math really, really fast. And uh, she uses it to uh, kill a lot of people. You know, may- maybe more people than she <laughs> should. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, they're, they're full of action. They're very fast-paced. Um, and uh, Zero Sum Game, Null Set, and then Critical Point, the third book, is coming out in April. And they are available uh, wherever books are sold. Um, and then I have another uh, book coming out later this year called Burning Roses, which is a hmm. fairy tale remix. It's uh, a mix of Red Riding Hood and Beauty and the Beast and a, a bunch of Chinese mythology and folklore, uh, the legend of Ho, Ho Yi the Archer and um, all sort of mixed together. So Red Riding Hood and Ho Yi are two middle-aged queer women who are going on adventures together and angsting about their families. And Red Riding Hood is like an expert with a rifle and Ho Yi is of course an archer. And uh, so basically like queer women shooting at things which is maybe my brand. (laughs) But yeah, I I think it's gonna be, uh, I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome.
1: But th- that also will be available wherever books are sold. And um, you can keep up with any of this by uh, going to my website, uh, www.slhuang.com And I'm also on Twitter, at uh, sl underscore huang. Again, that's H-U-A-N-G. And uh, yeah, those are the, the places that it's easiest to see what I'm up to.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a really interesting, yeah, a lot of really interesting stuff to oh,
1: talk Oh, I'm glad. About. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this
0: was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Okay, so I think I'm gonna wrap it up. That is all for this episode. If you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com slash writegood and support us. Subscribers get early access to regular episodes, plus you can join the discord where you can suggest episode ideas. Book club-tier members get access to monthly bonus episodes where we talk in-depth about notable works of fiction. And join us next time when we talk about writing your own story, instead of waiting for someone else to write it for you. Until then, keep writing good. KittySneezes.com in color.